I want to do something different today. I have not talked to you about this before this moment, but I want you to help me decipher a note I wrote to myself during Deer Creek last mm. summer. I put it in the notes app of my phone, and it says, communicate compassion, not details. Ooh. <laughs> it sounds profound, right? It could just be like, I don't know. I mean, I think it is, bro. There's something relatively profound in there that I got from other people for sure. But, And I have some ideas about it, but I just kind of wondered when you hear that, what do you think? Well, this may be just because we were just talking about it, but it makes me think of a lot of the same kind of sentiments that we discussed in the keeping it simple episode. Um, mm, mm-hmm. You know, kind of the real practical value and just coming back to some kind of essential principle in one's uh, sort of practice mind rather than getting bogged down in, in unnecessary details that may just kind of dilute what's most important. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, potentially a lot could be said about communication and the value of communication. Do you remember what you were thinking about when you wrote that? I think what I was thinking about was how, like, we enjoy, we enjoy ourselves. (laughs) No. Um, (laughs) I was thinking about how each note that the band plays isn't what we're necessarily hanging on. Like we're hanging on the momentum and the energy that we've come to appreciate so Mm. much. And that's why it doesn't matter as much when they mess up. But this actually gets at a broader Dharma point too, which I think maybe this is a good way to also talk about the difference between veneration and and worship in the sense that we recognize that the band is trying to do their best for us and there's a an inertia of goodwill and fun and caring even and positive messaging that that's behind everything they're doing and if i were to get too into the details of it it doesn't feel as good mhm and it, that applies anywhere. Like when I start trying to dissect the details, then I'm much more likely to lose the broader picture and the and the underlying motivation of love and compassion when I get into the details. And it's definitely the case that when I try to explain something from a place of love that is complex, it's the details that other people might misinterpret and take the wrong mm-hmm. way. And I feel like it's... I've seen people in in our favorite band have their motivation carry them and actually be like the main thing rather than the specifics of any particular song or conversation or anything like that. So I think I was kind of trying to tell myself, like I think in that moment I probably had kind of recognized like like it's the it's the broader picture that I love about them and it makes the details still interesting, but they're not, they don't have to, I don't have to cling to them. You know, I don't have mm-hmm. to get attached to each of the details because I know the broader, I know what that's arising from and what it's arising from is love and compassion and a wish to, you know, a friendship and a wish for us to be friendly and, you know, love is what we are. Mm. Yeah. 
I mean, and, you know, there's definitely, like, instructions all over the place, like, maybe in the context of just, like, pithy Dharma advice from various teachers um, that encourage us to focus on the essential points, like, focus on the essence, not not the details. You know, not to say, like, the details are, like, unimportant, but it's just that we need something practical, I think, to come back to and, like realistically it's it's easier to sort of simplify into the main points you know to me it, this invokes you know the notion of like getting down in the weeds like mm. you know that's carries like a kind of a negative connotation in a sense i mean i don't think it has to be negative but like you know there's something that we recognize with that saying we're recognizing like the pedestrian uh, maybe unnecessary or even like detrimental act of like getting too bogged down in the details, you know? One other thing, like you were talking about how we're all hanging on the overall momentum of the band when they're playing. And so mm-hmm. that, you know, rather than just like the specific notes or whatever, um, or, you know, where, where they, they might mess up or like play a, supposed wrong note or whatever but really we're we're kind of just there for the basic energy or momentum that's going on and that just sort of made me think of the way that sometimes uh bodhicitta gets traditionally talked about like once you sincerely give rise to bodhicitta and maybe you know learn how to water that and cultivate that then it becomes this momentum uh that exists in your stream of being which like if you look at it traditionally it's it's like once you give rise sincerely to bodhicitta one time you're guaranteed to attain buddhahood you know it may take like a really long time but there is a kind of momentum that's become irreversible at that point and that's actually you know it's it's really a profound idea in the sense that in a way that means not that the details from that point forward don't matter, but you know, somehow the power of that momentum makes the mistakes that we come up against or, you know, the mistakes we make hold less significance because we've just got this, Mm. they're all, they're all embraced with this momentum that is moving forward and is unstoppable now, you know, like we're moving toward awakening. So in a way, like our mistakes just are becoming part of that process. Um, and I think that's a similar yeah. thing with what that's what you're very close to what you're saying with like a good fish show. It's like the reason we don't care if they mess up is because they're doing something in front of people, making themselves vulnerable. And there's an energy of that that just becomes so powerful that it outweighs any little mistake or, you know, hindrance. And I think maybe that's similar to Bodhicitta. Yeah, and that that gets at like what I what I meant earlier too about the examination of veneration versus worship. Because I think what I've always thought of is is like a difference between worship being like giving this adoration or reverence to something that's totally separate, whereas veneration is like recognizing what's in common and also what's different. Like in the case of the Buddha, recognizing that he attained enlightenment, but he was a, a human being, you know, and he had problems and he worked through a lot of the same things that we all, all of the same things that we mm-hmm. all go through. So we see 
there's an implication in veneration that we can be that. And worship, I feel like, doesn't contain that promise. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe we could say that it means you could be like that, so, some somehow like that. But there would always be uh, some implication that you're not going to be that, you know, like this is a separate thing. So, and the reason I, th- I think this maybe relates is like, we think Fish is awesome. Like they're absolutely our favorite band, but at the same time, we notice when they mess up. Like it's not like we don't care when Trey mm-hmm. messes up. I just picked a person at random, but like, right. <laughs> like it's not like we don't care, but it is like, you know, the details or the little stumbles are wonderfully overshadowed by the overall motivation. Um, and yeah. this this also relates to the keeping it yeah keeping it simple episode too. It's like when we're thinking about that bigger picture and that bigger motivation, then those little things don't matter as much. And when we can do that with the people around us too, you know, noticing that like the way they said a thing or you know even things they say occasionally, like the details of things they're saying. Like if we know that they're compassionate and loving towards us, then that ought to be what guides our responses you know rather than like a single detail taken completely out of that broader context mm-hmm. of love and compassion so yeah that to me seems at, le- at least like it relates to the idea of veneration versus worship yeah yeah definitely this is something i've tried to think about more because i, I know that i have a tendency to get into the moment but in an unproductive way like we talk about being in the moment but I think being in the moment means being present and open to the moment, not like hyper focusing on right. whatever's happening in any given specific se- uh, you know second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I I have a tendency towards the latter, so it helps me to remember that. And and I feel like I feel like it's almost like physical, like you can sit back and relax in love and compassion, like that's like a big easy chair. You can sit in, but you have to like lean forward and lean over to get to a detail. Yeah. Well, and I think we could benefit this discussion by talking about what we mean by compassion too, or maybe any part of that statement could benefit from just like getting into it. Like, cause I think a lot about communication too, just in general. I remember that there was a whole talking point on Sunday afternoon for a while there where I just felt like it was like really profound and important to harp on the fact that communication takes place at so many other levels other than just verbal talking, you know? Yeah. Like we're basically always communicating all the time, whether we're paying attention to it or not, you know? Um, Yeah. So like really like a simple statement, like, what it what is it again? Communicate compassion, not details. Right. Like, you know, that's on a certain level a simple statement, but there's obviously quite a lot there if you really, you know, start to flesh it out. There's depth you know, potential depth and nuance to what to what all that means. Like compassion, I think the way I relate to compassion in the statement in that kind of statement is almost more of just like an atmosphere. Like when you just said, like um, we talk about being in the moment, right. But it's kind of more of just like a being open to the moment. I actually think Mm -hmm. about that kind of state of like openness 
being present and being open and kind of just on the spot, aware, open, accommodating in one's uh, spirit, so to speak, like, you know, basically having like a good open attitude. I think that that is compassion. I'm not saying that's the full extent of what compassion is, but that's like taking the stance of compassion in my mind because you're open and kind of ready to accommodate and potentially skillfully communicate with whatever is arising there. You know, that's kind of like the baseline of compassion is that kind of openness. And that is simple, you know. It may not be be mm-hmm. easy easy to um to always like drop into that, but it is simple. There's something essential about that that bypasses a lot of detail, you know. Just like dropping back into the to the wide view of things it only seems not simple because our habits are so complicated Mm. it's just we've established a habitual flow of complication that makes it seem like it's harder to just have a simple direct experience but but yeah i think another thing i was thinking about in terms of the communication aspect is like i would rather people are left with the sense that i was compassionate towards them then oh, remember anything yeah. I said. You wow. know what I mean? Like, I don't care if they remember anything I say. I just would want the, and, and even if they th- remembered incorrectly what I said, like, I would still want them to, like, have that sense of compassion. Like, that's right. what they walk away with, even if they remember nothing else. And it's funny, I did a couple retreats now where there's silent meditation retreats, and they were inspired a lot by our three year retreat with, uh, you know, not talking and and using dry erase boards when we have to talk. Mm. So I took that and ran with it. And I've done a couple of retreats now where I, I only taught via the dry erase board and wow. had everybody maintain silence for the whole workshop, you know, uh, which was uh, one was three hours, another one was four hours. And there's this first 30 minutes or so where people are antsy, you know, because it takes a while to sit there and write out sentences you know um on a dry erase board so there's this kind of flow of like me writing and then holding it up and people read and i usually have to turn it so the people on the other side of the room can see and and so they kind of read and then they all kind of you can see their faces like oh i see it i understand it and then i put it down i erase i start to write again and it's not our normal flow of communication like normally we're used to you know <laughs> be speaking and then speaking again right after that and we're processing while we're speaking. And so it's a really interesting way to process information, particularly when it's about meditation and placing the attention because it creates a, a circumstance where you're in the details of what of what I'm writing and then you have a space where it's just kind of open and you can process you know, while you're waiting for me to write the next sentence. Mm. And the reason I brought it up is because I spoke with somebody who was at one of these retreats recently And he was telling someone else about my teaching at that retreat. And he said something that was, it wasn't what happened, but it was his impression. It was what he left with. And he left what he was left with. He said, and Lama Adam would just write like maybe three or four words at a time (laughs) on the board and show them to all of us. And like, I think maybe a few times I put a sentence with like, three or four words. But if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know that like 
brevity is not my thing. So like, <laughs> I know I was writing like sentences, paragraphs, everything, but but the experience he was left with was was the spaciousness I was hoping for, you know, mm. and the reflectiveness that I was hoping for, and and also the sense that I was only using like a couple words, you know. And right. I know that's not what's happened, but I didn't correct him, you know. Like I, I just love that that's what he left with. And that's actually much more important to me that he left with that impression than that he remembered every word I wrote or something, you know, because it showed he was having an experience of openness. Right. Yeah, that's cool. I hadn't really thought about that angle of it, but it, it that also ties back to the fish thing too, just in the sense of like, you know, a lot of people would, I would imagine potentially go to like their first or like an early fish show and leave with the impression like man that was so much fun those guys like how do they not get tired like there's so much energy there's so much fun to see you know that would be like the basic impression as opposed to like yeah i noticed a couple of times like something seemed a little off here or there yeah well it's funny because like i don't think there's many other circumstances where you pay what are we paying now? $60, $70 a ticket or something yeah. where you pay that much and you go to a giant arena and there's 25,000 people and you hear multiple mistakes in a night. Like that's right. just not... Right. Like that. those kind of things would be like... I mean, there'd be people who were devastated walking off stage. Right, I mean, I think right. if you're not doing what Fish does, you know, and it's... We've talked a lot about this kind of stuff before. I mean, it's not like they want to make mistakes, but they're constantly engaging a willingness to explore well beyond where they've been before. And mm -hmm. that inevitably means a, a requisite amount of stumbles. And mm -hmm. there's so many ways to talk about the way this band has impacted my practice, but like that's one of the biggest ones. It's just like, well, just keep trying. You know, yeah. no big deal. Yeah. You, you messed up, move on, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a great example of that, you know, is the uh, the Down With Disease from Hollywood Bowl just recently. Oh, to yeah. totally. I'm not, like, my, there's rarely a mess up that's that glaring, you know? <laughs> like, I mean, and that wasn't Trey, right? <laughs> right. It was Mike. Yeah. Just like completely missed the signature, you know, baseline in Down with Disease. <laughs> like, he just didn't play it. <laughs> and then kind of just like, he kind of just like thuds in half you know it just it gets totally off but honestly somehow or other i felt like i could hear that they just were not really that phased by it like just kind of kept going and played the song and then it ended it ends up being like a 20 minute version with probably you know it's probably one of the highlights of the whole little week-long tour i would say mm -hmm. um which was chock full of highlights but it was it was one of like the big jams, you know? So it's a good example right there. Yeah. And then getting into the communication aspect too, like I always think about that bridge between mind and body, you know, or, or, or internal experience and external world. It's the bridge. And so there's this essence when we talk about communicating compassion we're talking about bringing our internal aspirations into alignment with our outer world. And that means a certain sense, I think, of just letting something happen. Like it's not, I think saying communicate compassion is not like saying speak up. 
Right, you know? right, right. I think it's it's more like saying like um, find a way to facilitate the space for others to feel good. You know. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And communication, broadly speaking, falls into the uh, existential sphere of the Sambhogakaya, just as far as that whole yeah um, framework, you know, of the three kayas. Mm-hmm. To me, considering it in that context kind of opens up, creatively opens up all the ways in which communication can take place. You know, it's just interesting to think, I guess, the way that energy moves between the mind and into the body, kind of, you know, it's very, very kind of subtle and uh, profound, like, because the way that obviously the way that you hold your hold your body, like, and move and even dress, you know, the way you appear, all of that can be considered communication. But. It, it's like a translation from your mind, it, or it can be, I think, in an ideal sense. It can be a very active, conscious translation of mind to appearance, you know? It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think about that sometimes when I'm in, in the grocery or somewhere, and I may not be talking to anybody because I don't know anybody there, but it sometimes occurs to me like, oh, I've I must look pretty sour right now. <laughs> like, like I'm not, you know, like it just, I mean, I may not be, but I'm just kind of in my own world so much that I don't, it doesn't occur to me that like, oh, I could maybe just kind of stand up a little straighter, you know, maybe right. smile at people who pass me close by, you know, like not be so shut off. Um, because even if I'm totally happy and doing mantra and all that stuff, but I'm completely in my own world around other right. people, I might not be communicating what I want to communicate. You know, I, I could be communicating dour or threatening or, you know, any number of things that people could misinterpret when you're in a situation where there is communication happening, even if it's not verbal. So, yeah, yeah man, that registers as something for me to really think about too. Just, yeah. you know, that we may very well, in so many cases, not be communicating exactly what we want to be just by virtue of not paying enough attention to those little things. Well, and, you know, that's funny, right? Because those are details. In a way, that's like getting into the detail. Um, but maybe the way that those two sentiments come together is that, like, if you're kind of really in the right sort of wide view of compassion or something maybe that can take care of the details a little bit. You know what I mean? It doesn't require as much conscious effort to to be holding yourself the right way, for example. You know? Yeah. Well, and I think in terms of details too, like we, I think, have to take into account the details. But mm. it's more important that what we communicate is that broader intention. Right, right, right. Um, so I think the oh, details yeah, are important yeah, yeah. for us, but yeah, like b- because it, if if we think of it in terms of communicate compassion and not details, it's like we're communicating maybe even with details, but ultimately it's the the product that we're, we're putting out is is love and compassion, and right. we have to worry about the details so that we can successfully do that. But I think another thing that that just occurred to me too is like details are correct me if I'm wrong, like details are inevitably contingent, right? 
like a detail has to do with a certain place at a certain time and oh, it's right, kind right. of what it is like it exists they, so like in a way when we're talking about details we're always talking about a, a concept that you know existed at a certain place in time um i think you yeah i mean well no maybe i'm going down a, a dumb rabbit hole here but <laughs> i feel like um when we talk about just a broader motivation that's a like a perfume for the space or for our for our awareness you know compassion or awareness those are things that kind of scent our experience whereas details are always just stuff that pop up and go away totally yeah i think that's a great point that reminds me of that saying keep your view as vast as space and your actions as fine as flower yeah right? mm -hmm. communicate space not flower <laughs> <laughs> because i mean the essential compassion is not really contingent on anything it's unconditional that's something that's unconditional i would say that we can tap into yeah huh. but like you know there's a obviously the two are in relationship you know the conditional and the unconditional or like you know the wide view of compassion and then attention to detail i mean that's kind of the point of that quote that you just mentioned so i mean it's like we had to figure out how to hold both views In or balance. or maybe maybe recognize that it's not two different views it's just one overall thing yeah well thanks for helping me unpack that thing i wrote <laughs> <laughs> during the middle of a show a year ago so was that that was what summer of 22 yeah yeah i mean i think it was during the sand or something i mean it was during one of those second sets where um, it may have been during Wave of Hope. That's probably my guess. But that was like the big year of Deer Creek, like the sand. I feel like they had two big years. Did wasn't there some? Big that's stuff what in I 2021 thought. Twenty twenty one too. Yeah, that's why I was kind of thinking because like I know you saw you went both years and I remember you saw. I think it was like a really big simple maybe at some point. Oh yeah, I think that's what it was in twenty twenty one probably. Yeah, and then the maybe sand not. was the big thing. Last year, mm -hmm. I, I'd yep. like to go. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that sand again. Yeah, man, it's so good.